Now, the Buckeye Extra Podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. I'm Joey Kaufman. I'm joined by Bill Rabinowitz, and we are going to talk about the NFL Combine, which begins in Indianapolis later this week. It's been a slow news month on the Ohio State beat, but it's about to pick up in a big way because this is the Combine week. Bill will be in Indianapolis for that, and then next week is spring practice. Um, And if you've been to our site, you know we've been running some spring practice position previews. Bill's going to have a a bit of coverage from from Indy shortly, so things are going to pick up as as far as Buckeyes football related. I'm sure Joey's too modest to to beat his own drum here, but Joey's done these uh, position previews for spring football. If you want to know like what the tight end position is looking like, if you want to know more pressingly what the offensive line situation is looking like, go go to dispatch.com and, and read Joey's takes on that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll be in Indy. Uh, this will be my, I've gone every year since 2000. So there aren't many who have, you know, was it Jerry Green went to, you know, the most Super Bowls, I think. I'm not sure I've got, I don't have a combine record, but I'm getting a little closer to that territory. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. It used to be just very informal. You could just go up to players and just talk to them. Now everything's very orchestrated and they're at podiums. I do miss the days when you could sit at a table with them and actually have a conversation as opposed to standing there and they were at a podium. It's just so much more impersonal. That's the way the NFL wants it. You know, they don't. They don't want anyone actually getting news out of this thing. Uh, there will be eight Buckeyes there. C.J. Stroud is the headliner, but you've also got uh, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who hasn't talked, really hasn't done an interview since the you know he got hurt. So he'll be there. Uh, both those guys talk on Friday. Um, we have uh, Zach Harrison talks tomorrow. So I will have a story on him after that. Uh, and then defensive backs are Wednesday or Thursday. That's Ronnie Hickman and Cameron Brown. And then on Saturday, three offensive line, Paris Johnson, Luke Whipler, and Dewan Jones. I just wrote a Dewan Jones feature. He's going back to his hometown. Uh, you know, he's more of a basketball player, as we all know, growing up. And but he always wanted to go to the combine. It just never happened. Well, he's he's going to the combine. And and there's been it's interesting because I've I was a little surprised when I did the research for that. There, there are several mock drafts that have him as a, as a first-round pick. I mean, I still think he's probably more likely to be a second-round pick, but that's that's saying something for a guy who entered Ohio State as a major project. Yeah, I would, I would think his size is going to be a draw for some teams, but also probably a thing that might scare some teams off of him because it's going to limit just him and where he can play. You, you really have to play Dewan Jones. At tackle, I think, at the NFL, he's probably not going to be able to slide into the interior play guard. So maybe that's <laughs> yeah. against him. But, I mean, shoot. I mean, he's a really impressive uh, tackle and pretty good feet for somebody who moves the way he does. It'll, it'll probably be, I think, a important weekend for him because considering his size, and certainly he measured well at the senior bowl, you want to be able to, to hold up and, and run and do some of the – the athletic stuff. Well, I, th- I think of all the things, though, I think the biggest storyline, it seems like, going into the combine is going to be the fact that C.J. Stroud is going to throw. Uh, that was reported yesterday by NFL Network, and it's not something that Justin Fields did. Um, 
Although I don't think they, they didn't have a combine that year in 21 anyway, I guess. But he threw it a pro. No. It's not anyway, it's not something you always see the top prospects doing. Bryce Young is gonna solely throw at Alabama's pro day. CJ is gonna throw uh I guess this weekend. But what did you uh think of that? I you know, I don't put too much into that. First of all, CJ Stroud can throw the ball. <laughs> you know, there are no questions about his ability to throw the ball. The, really the only questions, the legitimate questions, I guess, that I've seen about him are are just his ability to to improvise. And you know, we saw that in the Georgia game. I mean that that game made him a lot of money because that that disproved the notion that he was strictly a pocket guy or what he had to leave the pocket was only a thrower. Uh, you know, he, he made some key runs in that game. And obviously he's a throw first quarterback. But in the NFL, you have to be able to just improvise. And in that game against the best defense in college football, he showed he could do that. I mean, he lit up Georgia, lit him up. So. You know, Ohio State obviously didn't win that game, but he 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 won in that game because, um, you know, he proved that he's he can do what you need to do to succeed at the highest levels in the NFL. Uh, it was one game, but but scouts really wanted to see that. So, I mean, if I'm CJ Stroud and I can throw the way I can throw, I, I want to throw anytime I can. And there's no question about his arm. Um, does he have the strongest arm that the NFL's ever seen? No, but it's good enough. And he's extremely accurate. Um, so no, I don't. I don't really see a downside to him throwing. No, and I would. I would think it's. It's. I find it interesting that he's chosen to throw because I think with Bryce Young not throwing, it's. It seems like CJ would have the chance to maybe gain some ground, and if he lights it up, he would have a chance to to maybe make teams think about making him as the first quarterback off the board. And I don't think this is a case where in past years where there's been a slam dunk number one guy quarterback who's going first overall, like with Trevor Lawrence, where everybody else among the top quarterback prospects were essentially jostling for second place, which is the situation Justin was in in 21, where he was competing with with Zach Wilson and and Trey Lance to be the QB two. And and he was taken after those two guys. And and this year it's, it's Bryce Young, but it's also, Will Levis from Kentucky, Anthony Richardson from Florida. And I don't think anybody out of this group of four is the slam dunk number one the way that uh, Trevor Lawrence was. I think Bryce Young certainly is the favorite. And if you go to, to survey most draft analysts, that's what they would say. But I mean, there's a good chance I think CJ could at least merit some consideration for that QB1 spot. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Young, really the, the big question with him is just his frame. He's not a big guy. And can he withstand the NFL pounding that he's going to get, especially as a mobile quarterback? That's I mean, CJ Stroud, 6'3", 220, I think. I mean, that's he's prototype size. And uh, Bryce Young, look, he's a playmaker. I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, he's he does some things. We've all seen him do some things. That you just got to go, wow. And so, you know, there's some Mahomes in him, right? There's some yeah. Mahomes in him. Um, but it, it all depends on what you're looking for. I remember a few, it wasn't that long ago that, Kind of out of nowhere, the week of the draft, Cleveland Browns are going to take Baker Mayfield. I mean, he was kind of considered a mid-first-round guy, maybe, you know, top 10 borderline guy. But they took him first. So all it takes is that team, whoever is the number one pick, to fall in love with you. And there's a lot of doubt about who's going to have that number one pick because Chicago has it, and they have Justin Fields. And, I mean, could they trade Justin Fields and take a quarterback? I mean, you know, anything's possible, but I guess – from what their GM said today at the combine, 
NFL teams, uh, NFL GMs, coaches, they, they are talking today, Tuesday. Uh, the player interview starts tomorrow. Um, he made it sound, from what I've seen on Twitter, that Justin Fields is going to be their guy. They're going to do their due diligence on the other quarterbacks, but but Justin Fields is the guy. And he sh- certainly showed enough last year to, to merit some, some uh, faith in him. So anyway, so assuming that the Bears trade out of that pick, I mean, who knows who, who would get it and who knows what, what they're looking for in a quarterback. They might be looking for the Bryce Young, Mahomes Jr. kind of quarterback, or they could be looking for more of a traditional pocket passer like Stroud. Or it could be somebody else. You know, It could be Jalen Carter from Chicago or, or uh, from Georgia that we all saw in the, in the uh, Peach Bowl. So it's a wide-open draft this year. And, and look, Ohio State hasn't had a number one overall pick since Big Daddy Wilkinson, and I think it was '93. Um, that's the last time Ohio State had the number one overall pick, and they so never had a quarterback go number one. Overall. Never, no, no. The highest was Arch Schleister, uh, which did not turn out so well for the Baltimore Colts. No, so CJ could at least be the first guy to go in the top three, even if he wouldn't be uh, right. number one overall. Ohio State hasn't had right. QB go that high. I think when you talk about all the different options teams are going to have at quarterback, this draft in some ways reminds me of. That draft where Cleveland did take Baker number one overall in 2018, where you had Baker Mayfield, but you also had Josh Allen and Sam Darnold and oh, uh, yeah. Josh Rosen. <laughs> so a lot of and Lamar Jackson was taken later in the first round. So it's a there wasn't a clear consensus in in that draft, and I would expect teams had different uh, different quarterbacks to top their pecking order, and Baker ended up going number one. <laughs> But it was a little bit of, a, I think, a case where it wasn't just one guy was slotted. Yep. Trevor Lawrence comes to mind, then, then Joe Burrow the year before that, where the consensus had built around them for the months in the lead up to the draft. This was the guy you take first. And even for Lawrence, it was the same way coming out of high school. It's amazing how, with all the money and all the the research they do, how quarterback projecting quarterbacks in the NFL remains such a crapshoot. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. So much depends on factors other than the quarterback's own ability. You know, does he stay healthy? Is he in the right system? Does he have coaching, good coaching, coaching continuity, uh, owner, good ownership? I mean, they're they're teammate. I mean, there's so many factors that that weigh into whether a quarterback makes it or not. Uh, talent's only one of them, and so you hope that wherever C.J. Stroud ends up, that it's an organization that is going to build around him the right way and develop him the right way because I've I've seen it. I mean, I you know I saw it with Tim Couch when I covered the, the Browns and the, I think Tim Couch would have been a perfectly serviceable second tier kind of quarterback, uh, a guy you could certainly win with, but they ruined him. You know, they didn't put any talent around him and he didn't have good coaching and did the whole thing. So, uh, you know, I. The saying is, it doesn't matter when you go; it matters, you know, the right fit. It doesn't matter that you go first or second in draft; it, it matters that you go, you get the right fit, and that is absolutely the truth. I think the other thing with CJ that's important, probably for combine week, is again at the time we're recording this, we don't know exactly everything they'll do, but it, if if he does run in the forty yard dash or does some of the other athletic stuff, I think that would be. Interesting to watch when teams wonder about his athleticism. Uh, just I think he's surprisingly fast. I think he would do better than most people. Like he's not a blazer. He's not going to beat Price Young, I wouldn't think. But you know, he's not slow. No, it's not, a, it's not not that. 
Well, I think it would be it could be potentially helpful for him because at least you can make the case the teams that that, I, that he does have some of the mobility. He can move outside the pocket. Maybe he had shown it on tape, but the physical traits would be there to to, to do sort of that thing. I think would be beneficial for him potentially, and we'll see. Ultimately, if he does do it, or maybe at the pro day, but I mean that's an area I think that he can help himself, even if he doesn't have a lot of tape of him scrambling and running and doing a bunch of those things. At least if you could have a good time, that would I think uh, yeah. certainly help him. Now let's move on to the, to the other guys. You know, I think the most likely second pick out of Ohio State is Paris Johnson because there are very few questions about him, right? I mean, there's. He's kind of a plug and play. He, he's got all the athletic, uh, all all the you know the prototype numbers. He's big. He's strong. He's agile. Uh, you know, I think he, I've seen him anywhere from like seven overall to you know low teens. Um, he and Peter Skoronsky, Northwestern, are, are considered the two best tackles, and it's just kind of a matter of preference. Uh, but there are very few questions about Paris Johnson and his ability to play, <clears throat> and we've known that. Since he arrived at Ohio State, we, we always thought of him as a as a three year guy who's going to be a first round pick, and he's lived up to that. And obviously, no character questions with him. I mean, he's just you know he has the foundation. He's just a you know anyone who knows Paris Johnson knows what a what a terrific guy he is. And so, I think franchises will be happy to have him uh, in their organization and for um, hockey organization for hockey. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, he's kind of a no-brainer. If, you, if you're an NFL team that needs a left tackle, there he is. You know, and I've seen a lot of speculation he could end up with Tennessee with playing for Mike Rabel, and his teammate would be Nicholas Petit-Frere. He'd be, you know, tackles again at Ohio State, although they actually were not tackles together at Ohio State. Guarding but they were, they were guarded. They were playing next to each other. Uh, well, no, not next to each other, but they were on the same line. Um, I, I, I think it would be a big deal for Ohio State if Paris Johnson – goes in the top 10 and I think just him going to the first round is going to help them a lot recruiting wise it's I think remarkable how little Ohio State has produced as far as that that high-end first round uh offensive tackle uh in the draft over the last 25 years or so you go back to Orlando play, Pace taking the top of the draft in, in 97 Taylor Decker went in the first round in 16. That's been it as far as the tackle spots, as far as guys who've gone among the thir- first 32 picks. So when you are yeah. and you want to go out on the recruiting trail and, and push your school and push development and, and all sorts of things, it, it matters to have a first-round draft pick. I think it certainly helps Brian Hartline with the receivers that they've started to put in the NFL now with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Wilson being a – both those guys being a first-round pick last year – and Wilson being the rookie of the year on the offensive side of the ball. So I think for Paris to go maybe in the top 10 or be a first-round pick, and then maybe even DeWan Jones having a second offensive tackle taken among the first 32 would be, would be I think, helpful for them because that's a spot on the recruiting trail. They haven't always been able to land really those high-end tackles. So I think getting over that hump a little bit and getting a first-round tackle uh, would be a big deal for them, kind of like it was in the same way for, for wide receiver last year. Yeah, well, here are the, the tackles that have gone in the draft. Uh, Nicholas Petit Frere, Nicholas Petit Frere last year, third round. Um, you had Thera Munford, who was you know obviously played guards last year, was a tackle seventh round. I was surprised that he went that late. Uh, obviously, uh, Isaiah Prince was a sixth rounder in 2019. 
Jamarco Jones was a fifth rounder in 18. Uh, and yeah, Taylor Decker was obviously the 16th overall pick by the Lions. Still there, had, you know, had a nice career. Uh, Jack Newhart uh, was a second rounder with the Colts uh, in 14. So yeah, you, you, you know, it's that's look, we know that that has been an issue. That's why Greg Sudrawa was not the, still the offensive line coach is they had trouble attracting and developing absolute elite linemen. Had some really good ones, but yeah, I agree with you that it would be the feather in the cap for Ohio state. If, if Paris Johnson, uh, you know, was a high pick and, and the other. Well, they've done think, well at some offensive line development, certain spots like Dewan Jones for them to get him. He was a three star sure. kid from Indianapolis who was a more of a basketball player and they developed him possibly into a first round pick. But the, the profile of somebody like Paris Johnson, I think, is, is pretty rare for Ohio State to have. Somebody who was a number one tackle in his class, a top ten overall prospect. I mean, he was from their backyard, Cincinnati, which helps a little bit. But they have not really had a lot of guys with that recruiting pedigree at the tackle position come to Ohio State. They've done better, I think, with maybe some interior spots. But on those premier guys on the edge, they haven't always – Funny thing about Paris Johnson is he did not grow up an Ohio State fan. He was, you know, a Miami University guy. You know, that's where his family kind of that was their their history. And he was like Ohio State, eh? You know, I mean, he was one of those guys for Cincinnati. He was like Cincinnati. You know, this is like this is not even relevant. <laughs> you know, it's like we're not really we don't have any allegiance to Ohio State. There's there's a little bit of that in Cincinnati, not as much as some people think, but you know, there's a little detachment. And then he was one of those guys who was who didn't grow up dreaming of being a Buckeye, but, you know, I should obviously want him over. Um, the other likely first-round pick, and I think, you know, to us it's a no-brainer, but who knows, is Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, you know, we, we all know his story last year, played only, you know, parts of three games, small parts of three games uh, with a hamstring injury, and I don't know how much he's going to discuss in Indianapolis about the, the nature of that injury. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, if if he had played this year and had the kind of year that we think he would have, we'd be talking about him as a top 10 pick. I think probably, you know, without a doubt, um, you know, hamstring injuries are not, they're, they're medium term injuries. They're not long term, they're not career threatening injuries. So I wouldn't expect that that would be a major issue for NFL teams, but anytime you don't play essentially in your last year, there gonna be questions. And, um, you know, look, Jamar Chase didn't play his, you know, the year in 2020 when he could have, uh, that was a, he wasn't hurt. He just decided to opt out for COVID. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, I feel bad for him because I would have loved, first of all, I would love to see what he could have done last year. You know, I know how hard it was for him not to be able to play. And I just wonder what NFL teams are going to make of it. Because we all know what he, what a kind of a unique player he is. I mean, he's probably a slot receiver in the NFL, but man, what a slot receiver he's going to be. Well, I think that's why it, it hurt him a little bit not to, to get last year because he didn't get a chance to maybe show that he could play outside. I think that's the question. Maybe teams are still going right. to at him. Is, could, he, uh, could he play that spot? Because there isn't a lot of film on him in Ohio State. I do think he's going to be a first-round pick without a question. I mean, there were six wide receivers taken in the first round last year, five the year before. It's become such a coveted position so early in the draft, even if he's not the, the first receiver off the board. Uh, he's going to go among the first 32 picks. That's just the way that position is, is valued now. It's kind of like the opposite of running back, the way running right. back 
has been so devalued over the years. It's receivers gone the opposite way where it's uh, increasingly coveted and earlier and earlier. I mean, six foot and you're an athletic guy who can play receiver or running back. You should definitely play wide receiver if uh, you are 16 years old and you're trying to sort that out. It seems like. Nice, but that's uh, certainly where things go. And and then you have uh, Luke Whipler, who is an intriguing player because you know I I don't think he's a first rounder. I don't think there's much you know thought about that, but he could go as high as the second round. Um, You know, probably third round is more likely, uh, maybe fourth. But you know, centers are a little bit like running backs that teams don't like to use real high picks on them, but. It's not that they devalue the position. It's just kind of the nature of it that they don't generally go that high. And look, he was he was not, I would say, a dominant, dominant center in college. He was a very good center. I think the fact that he held his own against Jalen Carter uh, will will certainly help him. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter had a pretty quiet game against Ohio State. He flashed a little bit, but didn't dominate the game like a lot of people feared he might. And I, I think that probably spurred uh, Luke to Luke Whipler to think, okay, if I can handle Jalen Carter, I'm ready for the NFL. And uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how high he goes. And then you have the two defensive backs who didn't have great years. Uh, you know, I, I thought Ronnie Hickman uh, at times was like he was in 2021, but certainly didn't have the numbers. And some of that is because the defense overall was better and the safety's not going to have huge tackle numbers when the defense is better. Uh, but, you know, didn't wasn't the consistent kind of where's Ronnie Hickman, you know, or there's Ronnie Hickman uh, that she saw more in 21. And then, and then, uh, a guy like Tanner McAllister making more plays around the ball last year than yeah. covered as far yeah. as bad balls and, and interceptions and, and those sort of things. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad year. It was just kind of a quiet year, right? Um, and, then, and then Cameron Brown again, how to deal with injuries. And so that's going to be a big question for him with NFL teams. I mean, he's a talented guy, but he was never able to stay on the field long enough to kind of get into a groove and show the kind of player he thinks he can be. So, you know, could he do it in the NFL? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets to the NFL and and becomes a a, a pretty decent player, but he's got a lot to prove. I would think the guy who actually is going to be, I think, have a go into this with a chance to really help himself would be Zach Harrison. I mean, he was yeah. pretty productive last yep. year, especially with his uh, the, how long his arms are going to be to be able to make plays around the line of scrimmage and and bat balls. This seems like an environment that he's going to really blow some some teams away with just his length and size. And I think that's going to move him up teams' boards just because that's something that you really can't teach. And, and he could be somebody like. I don't think this is the perfect example, but but Baron Browning was somebody at Ohio State where it always felt like he had the athleticism and maybe he wasn't playing at the right spot. I think Zach Harrison was, was largely playing at the position he would project to be at the NFL. I guess you could move him to the interior, but they have such a natural athleticism that they're going to be able to do something in the NFL, maybe even be more productive than they were at Ohio State. Yeah, he can play in a 3-4, play outside in a 3-4. Um, I, I mean, with his, as you said, length, uh, and speed. I mean, he's he's ridiculously fast for a guy his size. You know, I could see a creative defensive coordinator using him in a lot of different ways. And I mean, he has a chance to be a first rounder because he's going to run 
in the 40, uh, kind of a ridiculous time, I would think. I mean, I don't, I don't want to project what it could be. I mean, it's not going to be like a wide receiver number, but it's, you know, he could be a four or five guy, four or six guy. Um, he does have that workout warrior sort of potential, I think. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, I, I shouldn't even throw out numbers. I have no, I have no idea, but um, he will, he will be near the top, if not at the top of the defensive ends when it comes to the numbers testing uh, with speed. Uh, you know, agile guy, and and he did. You know, he made a big jump his junior year, and I think he made another jump as a senior. Um, you know, I, I still think about the play. I want to try to ask about this. Um, the first play of Georgia's game-winning drive, he came around the edge and was so close to batting the ball from Stetson Bennett. I mean, a, a split second and, and inches away from batting that ball away. And it <laughs> could have been, Pirates recovers the ball, they win the game. You know, it, it was that close. So he he is a, you know, he's a physical specimen. He's also a, a, a bright guy. I assume he'll be able to pick up defenses, pick up the game plan, you know, pretty quickly. He's, a, you know, intelligent guy. And so he is the kind of guy this time of year people could say, you know, wait a minute. You know, there aren't many people like Zach Harrison in this draft. And that the NFL is always looking for kind of unicorns and, and guys you, you can't, are, aren't, found uh, easily elsewhere. And, and Zach Harrison, certainly in terms of his physical tools, is that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what NFL teams always like, is the, the physical traits that you you can't teach. They're looking for people who aren't maxed out, really. And that's what you want. You don't want a guy who's hit his ceiling at 22 years old. You want them to, to continue to grow and, and show promise. So I think that's why he's a, a guy who offers some teams some stuff you, you can't poetry you can't teach just with his his size uh the thing too is not only him I, we know if jackson is going to do anything this week i don't know like running or I, I would guess he won't do anything unless he's fully healthy and i have, I have no idea whether he is or not so i've not been in touch with him or anybody you know i just don't know but you know if he is fully healthy absolutely he should run um we don't know when ohio state's pro day will be it's usually you know, later in, later in March. Yeah. You yeah. know, sometime three weeks from now or something like that. Um, but I, I have not heard anything about when that's going to be. But, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba is not a burner. I mean, he's not he's not like crazy fast. He's fast enough. But it's it's more, I think they probably want to see more of the agility stuff, the, the cone drills and things well, like three, that. Yeah, the three cone drill. I think that's where. Yeah, things like that. that where you have to you know, change, change direction. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, that's that pretty much sums up, you know, the Ohio State combine <laughs> players. Uh, we thought about doing a, a very long podcast and getting into the spring, kind of a spring preview. We're going to do that next week, though. We're going to just kind of kind of dole it out and a little bit. We're not going to not going to give it all to you at once. We're going to we'll do we'll promise we'll do that Sunday or Monday. Save this, we'll we'll save this for the, the, the draft, folks, and then we'll we'll break it off and, and maybe talk about what we're interested in seeing uh, in spring practice, which starts a, a week from today, uh, March seventh, Tuesday is when things begin. They'll practice for a week, and then they'll be off for spring break, and then they have one more weeks up until the spring game. Hope you uh, enjoyed our, our breakdown of sort of the watch for, I guess, the NFL scouting combine this weekend. Uh, Eight former Ohio State players will be there. And then for the guys 
who aren't there, like Tina McAllister, no ruggles, they'll be at the ISH Pro Day at the end of the month. Right. Ron Vincent. Yeah, there'll be some, some guys Ron, there. Ron Cage, yeah. too. Right. All right. Well, as always, thanks for listening. Share and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra podcast in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on Stitcher.